Ready? Absolutely. Here we go. Here we go. You're listening to Learning Transforms from the Faculty of Education at the University of Victoria. I'm Ted Rekin. And I'm Courtney Baldwin. And we're coming to you from the unceded territories of the Lekwungen-speaking people and the Wasanish people. Welcome, Welcome to, to the show. show. Okay, I'm going to start. Today we have Mike Irvin with us, and we're really, really fortunate to have Mike because uh, A, he's a UVic Faculty of Education alumni, and B, he's done some amazing work using educational technology in some really, really innovative ways. And I I think Mike's uh, probably best known for his master's thesis defense that he did several years ago. And to my knowledge, it's the first, uh, maybe not the only at this point, but certainly the first thesis defense ever to be conducted from the bottom of the ocean, and it was done underwater. Mike, can you walk us back a little bit and, and tell us about that, and, and what were the circumstances? Absolutely. Um, so when I was uh, getting into the, the education faculty curriculum instruction, um, I was doing research on using underwater web cameras as tools to initiate and motivate students in inquiry-based learning of marine science topics. Say that three times fast. <laughs> um, and what we found was that, um, you know, if I was to do this defense, I figured why not actually uh, do the physical embodiment of the research itself? Uh, now, the, the loops and, and whatnot that we had to kind of jump through and, and pull off, um, and I'm really surprised and so happy that the university allowed me to do it, um, but we were able to then um, pull that off, stream it live to over 9,000 people um, that connected. And, you know, it's kind of funny when you think about a thesis is that usually when you write it, it goes out to maybe just the um, your supervisory committee and everything like that. So maybe like three to five views, and then it disappears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 9,000. It's fun that you said the loops rather than the hoops that you had to go through because this is a bureaucracy and we know all about that. But so, where were your committee? I mean, they weren't on the bottom of the ocean with you, obviously. They would be up top, and then you were using sort of a telepresence uh, technology to to make that happen? Yeah, I had um, uh, Dr. Jason Price. Uh, He was on the surface side, uh, so he was able to talk to me directly through the comms box. Uh, And then we had uh, Dr. Mijang Kim. Uh, She was over in um, Alberta. And then we also had uh, the committee that was actually here at UVic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had a three-way, actually technically four-way conversation that was taking place, underwater, surface, and then two points remote. Well, and it's pretty crazy too when you think about it because for and for those people who don't know, when you do your thesis dissertation, it's a pretty it's the culmination of all the work you've been doing in your graduate program. So it's already nerve wracking. Usually when you walk in and you're dealing uh, with a committee and you're having to defend your thesis, and then you add the fact that you're on the bottom of the ocean and you have a bunch of technology that's doing that. So how how was that for you? How um, was that experience? So if you've never been diving. Um, it's actually very relaxing. So I think if anything, it was to my benefit because I didn't have to stare out at all the faces of people that are critiquing me. Um, I had only a camera lens that I had to stare at. And then I had red rock crabs running around, which actually I brought one up in the middle of the, of the defense, but, um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was actually, I found it quite easy. I did have to memorize, um, my, uh, presentation and actually um, memorize the slides that I was using because I would ask them to change slides. So I had to know the order. So there was a couple things that definitely took a bit. And I was underwater for about an hour. So I had to dress warm. Um, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward, yeah. you did that a number of years ago. You've now um, commercialized some of this uh, this 
work, and you have a company that you call Live It, which also focuses on educational applications of technology and inquiry. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Um, so we originally uh, were Fisheye Project, uh, which was a nonprofit, and we'd been streaming live um, from underwater since 2014. So we'd go on uh, local scuba dives. Uh, we were also working with Ocean Networks Canada to do some of the deep sea hydrothermal vents. But in that format is that you could actually um, see here and communicate with us and experts in real time. Uh, at the site. So you'd send a message through Twitter or you'd send a message through the, the live feed, which was at the time YouTube live. Um, okay. Now that has evolved into Livit, where we actually are now connecting students with experts out in the field in real time um, from sea to space. Okay. So walk me through this because I'm, I am a logistical person. So you, I decide that I want to do this. Let's say I'm a teacher. I decide I want to do this for my students. So I connect with you and then is it like, so I'm, you're on a screen, mm-hmm. I'm in the classroom with my students, you're on a screen or someone like you is on a screen doing crazy things underwater and then we get to interact with you in real time and the students can ask questions and there can be that, it's completely live? Yes. So um, the format really is it, uh, think of Netflix, but live and interactive. So you would go to our site. Um, you would um, basically access the window into uh, the live feed. So you would uh, click a link and you'd actually pass right on through. You'd be able to see that uh, window. Um, And then there's a comment section down below, but we also have all the pre and post educational materials. So you can grab a lot of the curriculum pieces that are related to that show. Um, When you select it and you hit play and it's live, you would actually instant message us. So questions that your, your students might have, you would pass that up to the teacher. The teacher would then punch that question in and pass it through. We would then receive it on our end. We would then respond to it. Um, but in addition, because we do host quite a few classrooms at the same time, we have now created online ambassadors. So there's experts that are online from different institutions, different backgrounds surrounding the topic that will also answer those questions. So we can directly connect you with like your Bill Nye the Science Guys, your Neil deGrasse Tysons, your Sylvia Earls, like everything. Oh my God. Where was that when I was in school? That's so cool. So our our fall series is actually going to focus on orcas, salmon, and bears. We're going out onto the water with experts. We're going to stream live with the whales. And then we're going to go up to Bamfield. We're going to get in the river and we're going to stream the salmon run. And then we're going to go up to Nemo Bay in the southern point of the Great Bear Rainforest. And we're actually going to stream with the bears. Now, granted, that's at a safe distance Um, (laughs) and in a controlled and contained environment. But yes, you get to see it as it is. And when would we ever have those access points? I think the average now is that there's two thirds of the planet's population living in urban centers. We're so disconnected from these places and the research that's taking place there. Mm-hmm. So then the way that I'm thinking about this as I'm going through this in my head is, you know, there are a couple things about it. One, students get to actually see what people do because I think sometimes there's that disconnect, right? So we don't know what exactly these experts are doing or why it's important. And the second part about it, and you were talking about it, how we all live in, two thirds of us live in urban centers, right? And a lot of people who go to school here are doing urban schools. So there's also a connection to environment and therefore environmentalism that's in there. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. And do you mind talking and expanding a little bit about the curriculum resources that come with that? Because that's Absolutely. really interesting. So what we found is, uh, especially with the new um, curriculum that is out for BC, there has not been a lot of educational resources around, um, even in French. There's almost nothing. 
So we found that this is a huge gap and an amazing opportunity because half of our team is actually French. Perfect. So we're actually building the resources, both French and English. We're doing the shows in both French and English. Um, and then we're also blending traditional knowledge. And this is a bit of a, uh, an issue as well, because um, it is expected of teachers to try to bring traditional knowledge into the classroom. But how do you do that? Um, and that is, uh, what has been offered is that, you know, maybe you could talk to your local elders, um, from different communities and they could come into the school, but that's very difficult to, to manage and do. So that's why we're like, well, we could, we can actually work with the communities and we can digitally bring that in to the classroom so we can have that kind of conversation and that component in there. Um, and teachers are superheroes, but they don't have time. Mm -hmm. So how can we solve a lot of, uh, those challenges and alleviate those issues where we could provide all the resources for you? Um, and then all you really do at that point, and I don't want to say all you really do is teachers do a lot, right? but it's focused on, um, guiding kids and guiding students through the experience and that they can have these interactions with these experts. They're expanding, um, their understanding of the world around them and the different areas, uh, that are connected all throughout the, the province of BC and especially with natural places because it, it's becoming more and more disconnected. So this is like as the name implies, this is a living curriculum. This is curriculum that's unfolding in real time and people can watch what experts are doing. Who are the people that you have, uh, I want to say on the ground, but you have them in the ocean and in the, in the sky as well. So who, who are the people that are doing the things that are being streamed? Um, so some of the experts. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the past, actually, most recently, we worked with uh, Alexandra Cousteau, um, who is off of the coast of Bella Bella with Ocean Networks Canada, Oceana, DFO. Um, and just to give you an example, uh, and we also worked with Kim Juniper. So we had the two of them conversing back and forth live, um, talking about some of the hydrothermal vents um, and also some of the, the benthic um, and marine ecosystems around uh, Bella Bella and in some of the deeper areas. And then we were sharing that out with uh, the community locally there, but then online on Alexander's um, Facebook page. Um, so that you could ask questions in that kind of format. So we, you know, I've actually worked in the past with uh, David Johnston, uh, who's the, the previous um, Governor General of Canada. And, and we've, we love working with all kinds of different experts in different fields. So we've done from uh, your local researcher um, to your local expert, and then all the way up to higher levels in government and also some of the higher end um, marine researchers and, and groups like that. It's so cool because... I think there's, and what we've noticed maybe, maybe it's been noticed for a while, but there's a disconnect sometimes between the research that we're doing and connecting it with community. And I think there's a really big push now and we're starting to realize that that, that gap needs and that wall needs to be torn down a little bit. We need to work more. And it sounds like Livet is doing exactly that and connecting students and future generations. And it sounds like it's not just limited to students, though, um, who are able to go and experience these things and talk to these people who know a lot about what they're seeing and what they're learning about. I think of um, I think of all this as, as the way you describe nature literacy is that it's the interconnected relationships between um, people, their environments, all kinds of things, the, the, the nature of things. Um, and I think of it the same way when we're talking about community, private and public sectors, we're all in this together. We all live in, in these different spaces. So how can we work together uh, to be able to share that story and that narrative? But it is rooted in nature and it's rooted around nature, but it's edutainment. So when we're talking about doing this stuff traditionally, um, when we're learning from experts or when, you know, 
anybody is learning, a lot of learning is done through textbooks. And so I think some people would say, well, what is the benefit to doing something that's interactive and, and live versus putting it in a textbook? What makes this better? Like what makes your approach better than the textbook, traditional textbook approach? Because it does both. Um, so if you think about it, we are still working with digital resources um, and it is a written form, but there's different types of learners. We, we perceive information in, in a multitude of ways. So why just read it when you can also experience it and you can be a part of it and you can engage with it and you can have it personalized. So that's, uh, that's kind of the piece is uh, it's not um, just one medium, it's, it's all mediums. And that's the exciting part about it is that we live in the digital age and this is now possible. Like we could literally open, you know, we used to say at the beginning of our trailer videos, like imagine you could have a window into the ocean or a window into nature. We can, that exists now and we could totally do it. And then you can still be a part of that and you could be in the middle of nowhere. You could be, uh, you know, basically in any major city completely separate from that environment. Like you want to go to the Arctic? Yep, we'll take you there. It's uh, it's now possible, and it's it's so ready. So that's... And you coined it a little with edutainment, yeah. right? Like that idea, because uh, if we look at at even the numbers about how many how many people spend time, how many hours a week on Netflix or watching TV or watching YouTube or what have you, you're kind of capturing that entertainment value of it, and then putting it in an educational context, which is super cool. Well, learning's fun. Learning when is it, fun. When it's done right, it when is done so right. much yeah. fun. And I think that's just it, right? And maybe that's part the part of what we're missing. Like I, I remember having, I hate reading through textbooks. Who doesn't, right? It can be a little bit dry. Not that that information isn't valuable, but if I have an option to read it in a textbook or watch it happen interactively live or be able to pop on something like, the net, like a Netflix and be able to see different ways of being and that's you know even when I'm thinking about this I'm thinking about um what was that called like happy planet or discovery planet or whatever and there was like an eight-part series that they did and it was super cool it just bumped it up a notch because now you're doing it interactively Mm -hmm. right which is super and that's insane to me and then you still you still have um the recorded versions of it post right so it still lives as a web series and as an episodic piece and then you still have all of that written format digital curriculum tools that yeah. you can use that are very similar to the traditional textbook form. Absolutely. It's amazing the work that you're doing. Yeah. Really. It, it really is. And it gives me hope, right? Because like, look what he did with his yeah. crazy unconventional degree. Courtney, when you were talking about textbooks and how they can be really boring and, and uh, you know, it's hard to plow through it. But in spite of that, the, the, the production of those, the creation of those is a lot of really kind of careful distillation of knowledge, organizing it in a way that people can access it, perhaps with some graphics, certainly chapter headings and so on. And that's a different kind of knowledge that people are going to consume than if they're watching a live stream of a scientist in the boreal forest going out and tracking bears or whatever it is that they're doing. And scientists will tell you that you know, doing science is about 99 hours of really kind of boring, methodical stuff and one hour of insight and discovery, right? So I'm wondering, you know, when you when you turn your camera on and if what is happening is that really methodical sort of gathering of the data, how are the students accessing that in a way that builds their understanding really, uh, I don't want to say deeply and quickly, but 
a textbook can move you much faster to an understanding than watching an hour of somebody labeling samples and putting them in a in in a backpack and and that's that all that happens in that hour. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Do, do, does I that do, make sense? But I can't help but think of Khan Academy and why that was so quickly adopted by MIT and a lot of other groups. I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. Oh, sorry. Okay. So Khan Academy um, had a really interesting kind of epiphany. It was actually this one this one prof, um, professor. I believe he was a professor. but Solomon Khan, I think. Yes, yeah, Solomon Khan. Thank you. Um, and he was actually wanting to teach, I believe it was his niece, um, math. But they have a distance. So he was creating short videos of how to actually go through the steps and process of that. So it wasn't from a textbook, but is at the same time. So pulled that information out and then visually displayed it. And in a very concrete end, you could rewind and watch it again. Mm. And you could see the process of how that takes place. Um, we focus on definitely a, a transparency. So it's not like I'm going to... Um, connect you with that expert and then hide the fact that, yes, they spend a lot of hours in a lab. If anything, I'll get B-roll footage of that, show you exactly what their life is like, and then put that into the production mm -hmm. um, so that you can actually have, you know, a real world look at, at the process and definitely the time. Okay. So so that clarifies for me then because the, the these are productions you're going to be editing and putting things together. It's not simply a live stream of whatever's happening at two o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. It's got back end and front end and explanation and, and The so closest on. thing I can attribute to it is that we look at examples from the sports industry um, and how they do live broadcasting because they do take in recorded elements and pieces mm -hmm. and they infuse that into the live conversations mm -hmm. uh, as well as um, uh, the news. So the news is a prime example of how they had pre-shot different pieces, put a story together, and then they, they bring that out. We definitely spend quite a bit more time uh, constructing the, the narratives and stories and, and how we're going to put that all together. Uh, we do have, even then, a limitation on how long we can be live for. So we've been looking at, uh, it's a 40-minute show each time. But it's recorded, so that's the beauty of that. You can watch it again and you get uh, more content. Gotcha. Yeah, and I guess I shouldn't be knocking, um, I don't want to sound like I'm knocking textbooks and saying that there's no way for textbooks, because they are important, for sure, um, as a person who does a lot of my stuff outside of textbooks. I think that's partly my my own view of it because I struggle um, with textbooks and facts and dates. I'm not as interested in that, but there are absolutely different venues where that's important and necessary, and sometimes you need that, yeah. right? For and sure. I, and if I may, yeah. too, we're, we're not separate from textbooks. Mm -hmm. We'd be working with textbooks. Yeah. Um, I don't see the reason why uh, deviating from something that exists. It's more like um, don't reinvent the wheel. Take what's there and make it better. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and what you've described is just a text of a different kind. Mm -hmm. It's not a book. It's still a text. People are going to read it. They're going to interpret it. They're going to come away with a different understanding than if they hadn't encountered it. So Totally. And we are building um, resource materials for both uh, before the show and after the show. So you actually are still getting text. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's imagine I'm a grade five teacher. I'm listening to this. I'm interested in having Live It be part of my curriculum. How do I... How do I connect? How do I access what Livid has to offer? Absolutely. So right now for the fall series, we have on our, our homepage, which is liveit.earth. I kid you not, it's L-I-V-E-I-T dot earth. 
not .com, not .ca, .earth. We actually own that domain. Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Nice. And, and on that homepage, you actually have um, a registration. Um, so you just click the registration link. It'll just take you right in. You'd sign up. It's free right now. Um, so you sign up. We will then follow up with more information. Currently, we're in discussions with the uh, Ministry of Education, uh, as well as Science World and a few other groups to make this free or near free. Okay, awesome. and, and and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So if people didn't get a chance to write it down, it'll be in the notes on the on the faculty podcast webpage. Yeah, and is this something that we could do? You know, for those of us who aren't K to twelve educators, um, is this something that the public in general can access? So we are looking at opening up access uh, post-event, but we may, depending on the level of support, actually have one day where we stream live for the public. Ooh, so basically we have to keep on checking your website yes. to see all the cool things yes. that are about to come up and happening. Exactly. And so when did you, you graduated in 2015, is that yes, correct? And that's 2018. So this has literally blown up for you in the last few years. We have been busy. Yeah. Um, when, we f- when I finished my, my master's thesis, um, Maeve and I and, and many of our team, we got to work. Um, and we actually found a way to broadcast into giant screen theaters. And that's, that's IMAX for anybody who doesn't understand what that means. So I kid you not, we became the first group in the world in 2016 to go live from underwater and create interactive cinema. Oh, so cool. So we hosted um, live shows across. Um, we had it in classrooms in BC and, and actually um, in, all the way down into the States. I think uh, the furthest place we had was Florida. Um, so their kids were able to ask questions from there, but then we also put it into the IMAX in Victoria and other giant screen venues across Canada. It was, it was insane. It's so cool. So we, I have a running joke in the line that I use for it. It's like iPhone to IMAX. There's no screen. We can't put this on. That's so cool. So what's next? I know you've, you've just begun and three years is not a lot of time to build a business. And, but I know you're always thinking, you're always looking at what's, what's ahead of the curve and, and what's coming next. Any other things that you've got in mind that uh, we might see in the next three to five years? Absolutely. So the plan right now is we're going to do the fall series. We're going to be working very closely with teachers, government, and um, private entities. Um, And we're actually building, think Netflix, but live and interactive. So on this portal and window, you have C to Space shows that are both directly for um, different age groups um, for the school systems and the education centers. So, And this is like you can do at-home learning. You can do all kinds of things. Um, then we also have our public links and channels, so you'll be able to access different shows. And we are looking at opening up expeditions. So we're going to be building up showcases and broadcast centers across Canada in the near future, but then down through the States and then out internationally where we can actually take you to any place you want to go on this planet in real time. And then the beauty of it is that if you miss the show, it's all highlighted and still up on the site. So you can still access it as well as all the resources and all of those online ambassadors. So we're building like, it's like a subscription. You set up, you buy into it, and now you have access to your planet. So it's like National Geographic. It's like BBC, except it's all interactive with education resources built in. And we may, and we are looking at this, Think Groupon paired with this because we're working with all these organizations and groups. Do you want to go to those places? So we're actually looking at creating links and ties directly to those spots so that you can get uh, a better access and a more fluid access, especially that, so it's more environmentally friendly. So you can then go and take your kids uh, and your families to those locations and experience them. 
This sounds like the next level of education and the next level, like you're saying, National Geographic, right? This is this is now incorporating kind of that ideology with the technology that we have available. I haven't even told you about AR and VR yet, but we'll leave that there just as I don't want to blow too many people's minds. <laughs> yeah, did you see me just, I was yeah. like, oh no, he's using different letters. I'm supposed to know what this means, but I have no Augmented idea. reality and virtual, virtual reality. Aha. Uh-huh. Supplementary so pieces. Can, will you promise that you'll come back and uh, talk some more about AR and, and VR? Absolutely. Okay. And the other question I want to ask, because I know we don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, it sounds like even in your master's program, you did something that was slightly, uh, that was incredibly unconventional. And I wonder, because in this, I think in our time right now, we're trying to find new ways of doing things. And sometimes that works out really well and we get a lot of support. And sometimes we get a lot of kickback. Um, And there's a lot of barriers that we have to literally either, like you said, loops or walls that we have to jump over, obstacles we have to um, overcome. And I imagine there was part of that for you. What would you say to people who are currently trying to do things that are slightly unconventional? Because I imagine that there were times that the journey that you took may have felt a little overwhelming and may have felt a little bit like, "Ah, maybe this is just not worth it. And from where you are now, what would you say to those people who are trying to do different things and are feeling a little overwhelmed? Well, it never stops. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Get used to it. If (laughs) if you choose the life of an entrepreneur, uh, own it. It's, it's not an easy road uh, because there's the work-life balance. There are the kickbacks. There's everything. Um, I like to, to think of it as trudging. Um, but you can really enjoy the trudging experience because you're learning a lot. You're challenging yourself. You, you get access to things you never would. There are, there are moments of reward. Um, I love it, and I, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but it's also because I have a why and a strong why for why I get out of bed every day. Mm-hmm. I see a challenge, I see a way that we can we can solve it, and I see ways of working collaboratively with all these other people and groups, um, and I, that excites me. And that, um, it's, it's like creative problem solving, and, and I like thrive on that. That is like ecstasy to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just gives me everything that, uh, that I look for in life. Um, so, if I was to pass on advice, is that uh, think of it as a marathon not as a race. Um, and that's something that was passed on to me from, I'm in an accelerator program right now, actually at Viatech, and it's an incredible program. So anybody who has anything related to tech and you want to get some business sense to build any of your ideas and really actually understand the process of doing that, I would highly suggest looking at the Viatech accelerator program. Uh, and, and that was fundamentally where I learned that, um, this is something that just doesn't, you know, it doesn't just happen for you. It's you always feel like you're at the beginning because mm-hmm. you find a new plateau and then you move ahead of it. And it's constantly just challenging and, and figuring out ways of uh, creatively problem solving all of these things in front of you. You just get better and better and better at it. Well, and the other thing I heard in, in your answer to Courtney was that you, you're following your passion. Mm-hmm. And that makes a huge difference. If you're passionate about it, then yes, it's trudging, but it's also rewarding. And it's fun and it's not work. It's something that you're really driven to do. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. And your energy is infectious. It's fantastic. You can clearly tell that you, are, that you love this, that you're, living, that you're living your passion for sure. This is so cool. I'm so grateful that you were here today. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. I mean, yeah. it was so neat to, to receive a note about this. It's like, oh, this sounds great. <laughs> yeah, super fun. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and thanks for coming and, and sharing your passion with us and your excitement and your expertise. And uh, what a wonderful example of what you can do with a, a graduate degree from the Faculty of Education. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I have applied it a lot. Learning Transforms is brought to you by the Faculty of Education and the Association of Graduate Education Students. Learning Transforms is produced by Julie Remy. Sound design is by Xavier Arujo. Special thanks to Mike Irvin. I'm Ted Regan. And I'm Courtney Baldwin. Thanks for listening.